Leaders in Worship Podcast, Episode 35. Welcome back to the Leaders in Worship Podcast, the podcast to equip, connect, and develop leaders in worship ministry. We do this by equipping leaders with the right tools, connecting them with like-minded vision and people, and develop their ability to lead effectively. Welcome back to the Leaders in Worship podcast. My name is Matt Perkins. I'm your host, and I want to thank you for joining us. Today on our show, we have with us Gloria Gaither. Gloria is an incredible songwriter an incredible person that has great wisdom that she will share about life and ministry, about marriage, and there are some resources that she will also talk about. Gloria and Bill Gaither, you might know the homecoming videos, the homecoming concerts. It has been amazing what God has done through that resource and that ministry. They were awarded ASCAP's Songwriters of the Century. Now, this is not Songwriter of the Year, Songwriters of the Century Award. That is just amazing to even think about. And I know that you're going to enjoy listening to what she has to share in this interview. I would like to invite you to a special gathering, March 21st through the 23rd, 2014, the Green Room Sessions. The Green Room Sessions is conversations about life and ministry off the stage. Most all of our time in ministry and in worship ministry is off of the platform. It's going through life with one another. How do we succeed in our marriage? How do we succeed in our ministry? How do we pastor people, not just use them to fulfill a purpose or a slot on our praise team, but how do we pastor our people, reach out to them, love them, and how do we face difficult times and be able to see it through and not run, but to be able to successfully navigate the challenges and the joys of ministry? Well, I invite you to the Green Room Sessions. You can find out more information by going to greenroomsessions.org. But this is limited to 50 worship pastors or worship leaders. When you register, your spouse will be able to attend at no additional cost, and we want you there. It's in Orlando, Florida. You'll find out more information at greenroomsessions.org. Well, at this time, we're going to go right into our interview with Gloria Gaither. Thank you so much for being with us on Leaders in Worship. Uh, I am just uh, thankful that you have taken the time to be with us today. Thank you. I'm excited. We are talking today about the Gaither Homecoming Bible. You have a uh, a Bible that uh, is released by Thomas Nelson Publishing, and we have some links in our show notes where um, our listeners can go and get information on how they can order that. But how did this Bible come about? What was the idea behind it, or how did that happen? Well, first of all, Thomas Nelson came to us. Um, and at first we said, you know, we don't need another Bible uh, enough out there to confuse people till Jesus comes. <laughs> but <laughs> we uh, honestly, when we got to talking to them, we said, okay, we'll listen, you know, see what you, what you have in mind. And honestly, they were, they zeroed in on something that we knew to be true already. And that is that so many people 
who have discovered the homecoming videos and um, and go to the homecoming concert. Yes. Um, walked away from the church for some, whatever reason. A lot mm. of lot of people who said, you know, I had a bad experience, or I grew up and didn't like the way I was trained, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Lots of stories. But they said, we thank you for the homecoming videos because it's just brought us back to our hearts. Yeah. And um, and out of that, we had a feeling, and so did Thomas Nelson, that if people walked away from church and God, they probably walked away from the Word too. Yeah. So that maybe um, that we could we could speak to those people and make the Bible lovely for them again. Yeah, and that was one of my top priorities in saying yes to this project. This kind of fell in my hands because Bill does what he does, but I'm sort of the writer philosopher behind it all. Uh-huh. And um, and one of the things I insisted on and and even asked for certain designers, I wanted this to be as beautiful as God's word is. Yeah. I want it to be absolutely beautiful, and I want it to feel good in your hand. And every page, I wanted it to say, come deeper. You know, you're going to love this. You yes. know, this is beauty. This is life. This is light. And even the cover. I don't know if you have a cover. Yes. Yes, but I do it, have. I wanted the cover to say light and life. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that throughout the whole Bible because that is what the Word of God is to us. And... um so I worked with um, the designers, and they were fabulous. Um, the, the, we have worked with this particular designer before, and I knew that he really got it, you know. So anyway, that was the first the first part of it. And then, of course, they wanted um, they wanted devotions by the various homecoming artists, and this had to be from the Lord because how do you get fifty artists to cooperate and execute on the right things? <laughs> When they're on the road raising kids, you know, back and forth between home and, and the bus, and yeah. and uh, they would live very public lives. And few of these are what I would call writers that mm-hmm. are comfortable writing essays and stuff. Um, but they they loved the Word of God. That was the common denominator, and they just were so cooperative. They said, "Yes, I will, I will write." And then, and some of them were just really shy to put things on paper. Um, a few, I just said, listen, you give it, give it to me on tape or write, just scribble it down the way you feel it, and I will make sure that it's in your words. Yeah. And it will be beautiful. And they said, why? What if I don't punctuate it right? And I, said, I will fix that. <laughs> I will take care of that. So anyway, um, and many of these are writers, so they were happy to do it. And and honestly, these are such regular people. And I don't know what you know about the homecoming um, whole phenomenon, but it started out to say thank you to some old people that had brought Bill and Mark and and Michael and the people that were in the vocal band um, to the party. Yeah, they thought, well, our career, you know, our career, we'd sung for 25 years as the Gator Trio, and then the vocal band kind of sprang out of that with our two backup singers and the two guys in the trio. Mm-hmm. And um, and it had evolved, you know, over the years until it was a, a really huge. Um, it was a, a, a phenomenon of its own, the vocal yeah, band. Yeah, exactly. But then they said, you know, our career can't last too much longer, so it's been 40 years, <laughs> 35 <laughs> years. So before we hang it up, let's go back and do a, gospel, a Southern Gospel-flavored album because that's what brought us to the party. And let's invite some of the people that were our heroes when we were kids. Yeah. And have them sing on one of the songs, Where Can I Go But To The Lord? 
And so they did. They got a studio and bought in, you know, the the Goodmans, the, the what was left of the Statesman, um, Eva May Lefevre, you know, just a lot of those, the Spear, uh, Spear gals, um, Faye and Brock and Ben, and um, and just brought in people that were, you know, meaningful to them, mm-hmm. that were still alive. And there was a camera running uh, to get a three-minute DJ cut for TV of them recording this song. And they were going to intersperse, um, you know, the meat and chicken and yeah. singing around the piano and having fun together and telling <laughs> stories, whatever. And just kind of put those little clips in with them actually recording the song. Well, after five hours in the studio, I mean, it ended up to be a Holy Spirit meltdown. Wow. And, um, and Bill asked the record company what they were going to do with it. And they said, oh, we're going to throw it away. We don't, you know, we don't think there's any anybody that's interested in Southern gospel music anymore. And it wasn't really Southern gospel. It just was that some of it came from the South. Right. I mean, it was all kinds of gospel. But exactly. anyway, um, he said, well, I'd like to have it. And he took it over to Anderson University and edited it down to um, just a few, uh, um, 90 minutes, I don't know, maybe not even that, maybe an hour. CBN ran it as um, programming, Uh just to see. They said, well, surely there's some more people out there that remember some of these people. And the phone rang off the hook. And And half of the people that called in did not even know who they were. It was just wow. the validity of what happened yeah. in that room. Yeah. So Bill wanted to do it again. The record company didn't, so we did it ourselves. And uh, we, and it was always song-oriented. That There are some fabulous major songs that should live for another generation. Yes. And so that's how the whole thing started. It was just kind of weird. Well, all those people were pretty much gone by the time we did the Bible. So the people that are writing these uh, stories of how this particular text um, speaks to their lives are mainly young families. You can look in the front at the pictures of all the artists. Yeah. But, you know, they're they're people raising kids on the road and people with teenagers and people with, you know, double lives, their home life and their bus life. Yeah. And, uh, and how they juggle. And listen, if they say that this little word spoke to them, it's going to speak to you. Yes. Because they're trying to do marriages in buses with other people there. They're trying to, you know, train their children and homeschool part of the afternoon and get them home on Monday enough to be in school part of the week. And, you know, they're just juggling wow. like yes. all of us. So that was a big piece of it. And then we wanted to include um, 25 classic hymns, 25 um, gospel songs that have outlived us all, mm-hmm. and 25... Uh, Gaither songs. Uh, Thomas Nelson asked that we use those. And we didn't come up with that list. We asked a lot of the homecoming artists and other people that we knew loved great hymns and said, if you had to pick 20, what would, it, what they, what would they be? Yeah. So out of that composite list, we chose what ended up in here and the stories behind those songs. And they're just beautiful, the way they're paged out. Um, and I think if you sit down at the piano... With some of these lyrics, you'll be so surprised at verses you never heard before. It's like, wow, where did that verse come from? So, and it's really great for worship leaders to say, here's how this song was written. Here's what happened to this writer before these wonderful lyrics came out. So, um, it's it's really helpful, I think, for 
people planning worship and um, and also to train a new generation about content. I think the discrepancy we're having right now in the mm-hmm. church about music is not about style. It's about content. One of the things that has been so neat to see is you have brought people from all different types of walks of life, backgrounds and styles. Has that been something that you have actively sought out in putting together the homecoming events? Well, I don't know how, if you've followed our, our lives at all, but you know we've always had uh, other people travel with us. You know, even the years with the Bill Gates Trio, it was kind of a misnomer because mm-hmm. we always had you know um, well, uh, uh, other people, um, young and old. Uh, and yes, I would say yes because you know for thirty for thirty one years we did praise gathering for believers right. in Indianapolis, which was uh, everything from a five hundred voice liturgical choir and orchestra and dance to Buddy Green his harmonica the mm-hmm. katinas from from uh, Samoa Samoa yeah that's right and um, you know classical singers country singers you know. It, it, what puts it together is the theme. It's like decorating a house. If I go to do a house for somebody, I say, you lay in the floor everything you love. I will make it work. Mm. Because you're the common denominator. Right. Wow. And my skill is to how to arrange it to make it lovely. Mm. And what to add to it to make it, you know, to to make it in a perfect setting so that other people will love it. And that is Bill's gift. I'm telling you, he is a master of it. And yeah. I, people underestimate what he does. They think, oh, he just stands up there and puts stuff together. No, are you kidding? <laughs> he gives everybody a velvet setting to put their their diamond on. Yeah. And he knows how to do that. And he knows, how, you know, how much of it. How when you've had enough, when you have too much. Um, he understands weaving the theme. He understands. He understands that you know what I wish every worship leader understood, and that it is not. There is no such thing as a contemporary church. Right. I mean, I, to me, that just that grates on everything I have to even hear that phrase. Mm-hmm. Because it is totally arrogant to think that God has only spoken through things written in the last five years. That is great. And if you think you're contemporary, wait five minutes. <laughs> exactly. That is you great. you will not be. Yep. And there's nothing worse than contemporary that isn't. That is great. These are and some great... If it's been there a year, it's not. It's not. But you, it, it's okay. And, and I think one of the... I think, I think this will be a, a, a thing that you will resonate with. One of the reasons why we tend to think young and old, which is just ridiculous, mm-hmm. is that we got so slick and com- and performance-oriented in our churches that there wasn't any entrance-level music for kids. Wow, I mean, yeah. I grew up in the church. I mean, we had kids in our choir. We had kids singing in with their mothers or their sisters in, in for special music. It was just, we were a part of the church. Right. And you can do you can do music simply and have it, you know, wrench your heart. It doesn't have to be big arrangements with big professional people so that you've got an audition for a choir to even be a part of the worship. 
And I right. really love this about my local, our local church where we go, is, you know, if we have children in the worship, nobody says, okay, now we're going to have the kitties up here. Yeah. There's just, it's a part of the worship. Uh, Clint Dunn is my nephew, and he does, he's a, a minister of music at a big church in Indianapolis. He has a, a 13-year-old and, I mean, like an 8-year-old uh, sings in the in the worship team. And he has all kinds of ages in the choir. And he doesn't say, okay, now we're going to have the young, and now we're going to have the old. Mm-hmm. It, they're just a part of the worship, and they're taken seriously. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how you know how old the song is, if it's true, and how arrogant that we think we should not sing anything that has outlived us. Right. Good grief. Uh, one of the things that I had read recently, I believe it was a, um, it was from back in, 2008 it was a an interview that bill did with washington post and one of the the quotes that that he had given in there is this the christian church has often been guilty of neglecting its history and what we're trying to do with the music that we sing at the homecoming concerts is salvage the best of the past and there have been so many uh just to go through ccli and look through songs um there are so many songs that you and Bill have written that have been songs that just seen the title, I remember um, from some a few weeks ago that we have sung, but also growing up on the uh, the pew of the church and singing and and your influence in to the church, um, and I can say, you know personally, your your influence of your writing has influenced my life as a worship leader and being able to um, being able to connect with the congregation regardless of age and that has just been a great thing is there any specific song and and this is probably i'm sure you get asked this question quite often but in the hundreds of songs that you've written is there a song that maybe stands out to you or that you may find yourself going to when you're going through a difficult time or you're going through a season that a song that you kind of go back to and said, this song holds a special place in my heart. Well, you know, different ones have, you know, our song, we write our life, first of all. We're not assigned yeah. writers and we don't write because we got a new project coming. Right. We write out of our gut, out of our life. Um, there is there is a song that... Um, that is actually in this hymn in this um, Bible, uh, one of the lyrics that, that is in here, and it's not uh, one of our best known, and it's relatively recent um, song. But I call it one of those big little songs. Mm-hmm. It's called Through, and we wrote this song because if I had to to look over all the letters we have gotten over the years, the one word that would emerge from from those letters is the word through. Hmm. Your music got us through. And I know that because that's why I wrote it. I mean, that's why the the lyric was written. I think we think God's some kind of rabbit's foot. Hmm. And if we are a genie in the jug, and if we rub it, you know, (laughs) then everything's going to be perfect. And I don't, you know, I guess that's TV evangelist theology. So I don't know, maybe I wrote it because um, my own personal experience, but also what I see going on in in Christendom. And and the lyric goes like this. 
when I saw what lay before me, Lord, I cried, what will you do? I thought he would just remove it, but he gently, gently led me through. Without fire, there's no refining. Without pain, there's no relief. Without flood, there is no rescue. Without testing, no belief. Hmm. I knew he could part the waters. At his voice, a mountain move. But his love would crowd me to him. Through my need, his presence prove. Come, my child, I'll take you through it. When you faint, I'll carry you. Cast on me your fear and weakness. Trust my heart. I'll take you through. Hmm. The chorus goes through the water, through the flood, through the fire, through the blood, through the pain, and through the glory. Through will always tell the story. Wow. Of a God whose, whose love and mercy will not fail to take you through. Wow. That is, that is awesome. And I encourage for each of our listeners, make sure that you go and uh, we have links in the show notes where you can purchase this Bible and purchase one for yourself. If there's someone in your ministry or uh, a family member, um, that uh, this is a, a great time that you can go and uh, during this Christmas season that you can um, pick that up and and give that to someone as a gift. Now, I also understand that you are an avid journaler, and um, did that is that something that's that discipline has always been with you, or is it something that you developed over time? No, I've always been a journaler. I think you have to be if you're a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a Christian, I would really encourage journaling because the things you think are really big deals turn out to not be. And the things mm. you barely think, you know, you almost didn't write down, turn out to be the really big stuff. Yeah. And I think it really uh, messes with your priorities big time to be a journaler. And you finally find out that God's will for your life is usually the re- interruptions. The stuff you put on your little post-it notes, go ahead, put them on the mirror in the glove compartment or the steering wheel. It's okay. God doesn't care. But most of the time, if you get wise, you say, oh, I wonder how God's going to mess this up today. (laughs) And the stuff that really, not the stuff on your list, but the stuff, the person you meet in the grocery store, the phone call you didn't expect, the fender bender you got into and met somebody because of it, you know, whatever, you don't have to look for work. If you're God's person and you're living life with an open hand, you'll have plenty to do. Yeah, and and even... um some uh, songwriters and singers that got together um, years ago through that first homecoming has changed and been able to reach uh, through uh, different concerts, uh, people that watch. And I hear time and time again of people that will uh, see something on TV and they'll have clips of um, a homecoming or there's something that, that hits and knowing how that has taken them back or, you know, they might not even attend church, but they find themselves watching that TV special and just crying, being touched by the power of the music and how that time and being obedient to that, uh, you have ministered to thousands and thousands of people through this homecoming and now this homecoming Bible. You also have a television network, an online network, Gaither TV. How is that going, and um, what 
what do they need to do? That That's an, an online subscription-based, is that correct? Well, you can just go on. Um, if um, I don't have this thing because uh, it's called Roku, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Roku? Yep, a Roku. If you have Roku, you can just go on and it's on the channel listings. Oh, okay. But if you don't, you can also just go www.gather.tv and sign up for it, and that you know, lets you watch. And I would really encourage people to watch, whether you watch it there or or buy the videos. Right. I would always encourage people to do it because what's on our TV, you know, what's on the networks, is basically 30 minutes of a 90-minute experience. Right. That has been cut up. Bill does the chopping so that it won't get chopped in the middle of something. But um, it's just so the the really powerful stuff doesn't usually get on there because it has to be certain lengths of soundbite, you know? Right. So if you, you know, I would just say get the videos, please. Mm-hmm. But if you can, you can also watch them on Gator TV, you know, so that, that helps. I would like to say one more thing about the Bible before we leave that. Yeah. Um, I would really urge people to get the leather bound, and I'll tell you why. I've got the hard bound. I'm looking at it right now. But the leather, it, it, if you really use the Bible and you really do read it, it feels so much different in your hand, and it's so um, it's so much more user friendly hmm. than the hardcover. Um, and I think it's really worth the money, especially if if you love the Bible or you're going to give it to somebody who really loves it. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, I see this middle generation. You know, the, let's say the forty through sixty that 20 years, mm-hmm. giving this Bible to the other two ends of the spectrum. I think a lot of people that are parenting teenagers going into early, you know, kids are getting married. I think you're scared to death. I am that my kids will not have the hymns, the yeah. gospel songs, the great quotes from, from people of faith, um, the stories behind these songs and, and the scripture. Mm-hmm. And I would really recommend that you give this to your your teenager, college student, or young married children and just say, I want you to have this in your house. Right. And then the other end of the spectrum, I am so grateful for my parents who sang these songs, instilled the word in, in us. We had family worship every night. Um the Word of God, I you know, I can hardly start reading a chapter without being able to finish it by memory, because my parents gave me the Word, mm-hmm. and they gave me this music, and they gave me um, great thinkers like like C.S. Lewis. My mother was an avid reader as I am, and 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 so many. I remember I was um, in college when I. Uh, started reading existential theologians and my mother had made me read them before I left home. She said, wow. you need to read Sartre, Sartre and, and the, the atheist and the Christian um, existentialist because you're going to, you're going to hit this and when you get to college and you need to know what you think about it before you get wow. there. And my very first freshman paper for my Bible class was on existential theologians. So you know, I just wow. am so thankful to parents yeah. who prepared me for life all kinds of ways but i would i would think this would be a wonderful gift if you have great parents to say mm-hmm. right in the front of this and say i want to tell you thank you for making me love this word my wife and i were talking both of us were raised in in christian homes 
And I'm so thankful uh, because it is it has helped us, and also knowing that you can go to someone and uh, and talk to them, and and our both of our parents love the word, and now we have a our oldest is 18, and and so I had read a quote that your mom had said, you know, God's will for your life is God's will for your life at this moment, and um, you know we have a one that's getting ready to go to college and trying to direct her in the the best way that we can, and and then one that's uh, getting ready to go into high school. And so all of those things, we're in that in-between generation and, um, you know, just looking for wisdom. One last question, and we had a a listener that had given us this question. Um, You and Bill have been married for, was it 50 years? 50 years, Mm -hmm. last last December. Well, congratulations on that, and thank you for being an an example to those of us in ministry. How have you found that uh, your marriage has been able to thrive when working together in ministry and there's different struggles and pressures and things that go um, on in ministry that try and pull people in different directions? What has been the one thing that you would say is a, a secret for you and Bill in your marriage? I think it I think it will probably be a passion for um for the philosophical base. This sounds didactic, but it really isn't in real life. Um our passion for the Lord, our passion for learning, our passion for growing spiritually, um, and that has caused some confrontations also. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to be on the road. I, I we, we had a magazine once that said, do you guys ever fight? And we said, are you kidding? We could sell tickets. Um, but my answer to that question is not nearly enough. Hmm. When do you fight? Yeah. Because you need to. I mean, by that I mean there right. are times when you need to say, okay, we need to talk. Yeah. But when do you do it? On the bus? backstage, before a concert, before church service, <laughs> after the church service, when you finally are alone with your children and you can have some quality time at dinner, when? Yeah. And I think if you're in ministry, that is especially difficult. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying that these homecoming artists tell what the Word of God has meant to them, that's where they live. Yeah. You know, you don't have time or place to fight, and you need to. You know, yeah. you need to get that stuff out on the table and deal with it. If you don't, it just piles up and piles up, and then it finally blows up yeah. over something like who left the lid off the toothpaste or something <laughs> stupid. And usually what makes it blow up is not the problem. Exactly. It's, it's a big bunch of stuff that's been you know, simmering down there. Yeah. So um, I think we, we both realize that, and it's been difficult. I mean, there are times where it's like, okay, this has gone far enough. You need to come home. We need talk. Yeah. Um, but the underlying thing about that is that we are not only committed to each other, we are committed to the Lord. Mm, yes. And on the days when I don't feel like being married, mm-hmm. I am his child. I am God's child. Yeah. And somebody said, did you ever think about divorce? I said, no. Murder? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exaggeration, uh, but you know we all have yeah. those times. It's like okay, yeah, you know I don't feel real lovey right now because yeah. there are these three or four really selfish issues that came up, and I need to deal with them first. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's okay. And the reason you go through those and work through them, there's the word through again. Yeah, 
to get to the other side is because you're committed to the Lord and you want this relationship to be real. You don't want to be one of those couples that sit in a restaurant when you're 75 years old and never say a word to each other. Yeah. I want to keep having stimulating conversations with Bill. I want to get up and get my coffee in the morning and him sitting here on the stool and talk till 10 o'clock about, you know, Obamacare or whatever's going on (laughs) in the world. You know, because he... You want to still be conversational friends, yeah. You know, and then the other side of this, and I hope I can get a buy with this on TV, is you know, keep your intimacy. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when you can't, you you people say, "Did you ever go to mad the bed mad?" Yes. And if you say you didn't, you're probably lying. <laughs> yeah. That's but true. But eventually, sometimes it's outside. A lot of our problems have been outside of our marriage. Other people, people mm-hmm. we work with, something that happened to our kids, something else. And you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say. And I just think there are times you just have to hold each other. And, yeah. And I, and I think that sometimes that is the best expression. I love you. I don't know what to do about this. I can't fix it before midnight. Yeah. But um, just hold me, and I want you to know I love you, and we'll figure this out. Yeah. And I, and I think sometimes Christian couples underestimate sexual unity mm-hmm. and intimacy, Yeah. Uh, both in conversation, real intimacy, heart yeah. to heart, and physical intimacy Right. Um, are important. Don't let that go too long. Don't right. let it go. Yep. But that is incredible advice, and... Gloria, I want to say thank you for your time. You've been very generous on in giving of your time, and and I encourage each of our listeners make sure that you go and pick up one of these Bibles and uh, check out Gaither TV. And just to, um, I just want to say thank you for your example to us who are um, in ministry and just. Um, in our personal lives of just followers of Christ, you've been a great example, and you are a great example, and I just want to say thank you for that, and thank you for being on the program today. Well, thank you. This has been fun, and I hope you have a great Christmas. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Gloria Gaither. I sure enjoyed hearing the wisdom that she had about life and ministry and about marriage. So many things that I picked up on that interview and I hope that you enjoyed it. We'd love for you to comment on our website at leadersinworship.com. You can also comment on our Facebook page. You can go and like our page. It's facebook.com slash leadersinworship. You can share it on your wall, maybe on a friend's wall, this episode with Gloria Gaither. There are links in the show notes of how you can purchase one of those homecoming Bibles how you can find the resources of their online television network at gaither.tv. We'd love to hear back from you. If you have ideas for upcoming episodes, you can leave an email at matt at leadersinworship.com. You can also go to the website on the right-hand side. You can click the button that says Leave Voicemail, and you can leave a voicemail right from your computer. And we'd love to hear your feedback on this podcast. I want to remind you about the Green Room Sessions. You can go to greenroomsessions.org and find out more information on this gathering in Orlando, Florida, March 21st through the 23rd, 2014, where we will have conversations 
about life and ministry off the stage. Remember, it's limited to 50 worship pastors, worship leaders, and when you register, your spouse will be able to attend at no additional cost. So I encourage you, come on down to Orlando where you can connect with other worship pastors. Also, enjoy a little bit of downtime and just see God do some incredible things in your life and ministry.